Hey y'all, welcome, welcome back, back to, to Crime, Crime Critics and Chaos. My name is Shivani. And I'm Shailen. And, and we're, we're your hosts. Guys, this has been the longest week ever. Yes, it has. <laughs> I feel like, I, I don't know why, I think February is supposed to be like the shortest month, but I feel like it feels the longest. Yeah. And can we talk about this weather in oh, Dallas? I know, I agree. <laughs> it's for those of you guys who are not from Texas, it's like super cold here. Yes. Um, and you know what's crazy is I have cousins that live in Alabama, and I was just talking to them the other day, and he was like, oh, it's like 80 degrees over here, and I'm in shorts. And I'm like... <laughs> 80 like, degrees in yes, Alabama? Yeah, and it's like 23 here. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's go to Alabama. <laughs> Seriously, that's what I had said. I was like, can you just... Do you want to switch weathers? Cause like, for real. I, I'm a, I really love the heat. Like, I'm a summer girl. Me too. We are summer babies. So yeah, we are we summer definitely, babies. Um, definitely looking forward to the summer. I'm not feeling this weather. This cold is just driving me crazy, so... Please, summer, get here ASAP. Yes. I mean, I like fall, too, because it's, like, in between. Mm -hmm. And spring is okay, I guess. But fall and summer is definitely my favorite. Definitely. So, Shivani, what was your week like? Um... Well, other than the fact that it was long, I feel like I've been exhausted, but I'm always exhausted. So. <laughs> um, the other day, well, because of the weather, we came, we came home early from work, mm-hmm. and um, I finished off my shift, and then I went ahead and slept for like five hours, so that was probably my highlight of the week. <laughs> you never sleep, girl. <laughs> I really don't. Me, you ever don't sleep. We, we don't like, Shannon and I struggle sleeping at night, yeah. and we take melatonin, we do all the things that you could possibly think of to get some sleep, but we just cannot sleep at night. Yeah, we're so sleep deprived and that's what happens when you work at a busy law firm throughout the week. That is true. What about you, Shaylin? What's your highlight of the week? Well, my week was not very eventful besides the fact that uh, there are some changes coming up soon and um, I've been doing some house hunting, so that's going pretty well. So I guess that is something that's been eventful yeah, for me, you know. That's that's exciting. Yeah, I'm really trying to get a nice house. Uh, I'm literally so tired of staying in apartments. They're getting so expensive now. So I'm just like, I could just get a house, might as well, you know. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm doing. Well, good luck to you and your house search. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Guys, just a reminder, please follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram and Facebook, so join our discussion groups there. We love to hear your thoughts and opinions regarding the cases that we cover. We also appreciate any reviews that you guys leave us on all the platforms that you listen to us on, whether that's Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Um, that will definitely help get our podcast into the feed of other true crime listeners such as you. All right, partners in crime, grab your wine and join us as it's time to wine and crime. Our sources for the case I'm covering today, well, it's just one source, honestly. (laughs) Um, It's just NBCNews.com. Shailen, are you ready? I am ready, girl. All right, so our story today starts in Livingston, Texas. Do you you know where Livingston is? I do. I don't. I do. I do. (laughs) This is interesting. I'm already interested. (laughs) So for those who aren't familiar with the small town, Livingston is in the North Houston area. So I had to look it up because, like I said, I didn't know where Livingston was. (laughs) Um, But Natasha Ashley was raised in Livingston for most of her life. She attended school in Livingston, Texas, and Natasha was known to be the wild cheerleader. Okay. Her friends described her to be popular and pretty and someone who was always attracted attention. As someone would say, she was the life of the party, always free-spirited. Okay, I can see that, kind of getting a visual of her, you know, personality and stuff like this. Okay. Right. So, Keisha Myers was Natasha's best friend in school. Keisha stated that Natasha was the type of girl that everyone either loved or hated. So if that gives you kind of more of a yeah. description on Natasha. Right. 
Um, and for Keisha, Natasha was a friend that she absolutely loved. So Keisha stated that if you wanted to have fun, she was your girl. But was more than just that, she was also a loyal friend. Nice. Nice. So it seems like the two were really good friends and, you know, yeah. they bonded really well yeah, together. Um, so the two bonded instantly and they were inseparable. They grew up together and never did anything without each other until senior year when Natasha moved away to live with her grandparents in Odessa, Texas. I know where Odessa is too. I know where Odessa is. I just don't know like how far away the two like cities are from each other. But one of them's in North Houston and the other one's like East Texas almost. So yeah. I would assume it's kind of a good distance. Mm -hmm. It's actually an eight hour distance from each other. Really? Yes. Eight hours? Eight hours. Girl, only in Texas will you travel eight plus hours and still be in the same damn state girl eight hours try 634 miles what are you talking about el paso, el paso. oh my gosh i knew you were talking about that uh, we actually have some listeners um that actually were uh was telling Chaylin and i that they wanted to listen to some cases from el paso so yeah. stay tuned for that because i know we're we're researching some cases so. oh definitely definitely <laughs> it's gonna be on our list for sure so, like I was saying, uh, Natasha moved away to live with her grandparents in Odessa, Texas. Now, we're unsure of why Natasha left to finish school um, in Odessa, since there are no sources stating why. But I'm assuming there has to be a legitimate reason, since it's rare for someone to switch schools during their last year without any good reason. So, she was a senior. She was a senior. And she moved. And so, she, she didn't moved. graduate yet before she moved. No, she just moved, like, midway through the year. Yeah, that's odd. Something had to happen. I don't see any parents well, taking their kids out like that. Right. I'm, actually, I'm not sure if she moved, like, in the middle of the year or, like, the beginning of her senior year. But she moved before her graduation. But, that, yeah, that's still odd, whether it's the beginning right. or the middle. That's still odd for somebody to up and take their kid out of school if there's, you know, their senior year. Right, and I was thinking the same thing because I know for a fact, like, you know, you're about to graduate, you only have a couple months left. Like, mm -hmm. why why move schools? And that, too, eight hours away. Yeah. So I'm sure there had to be, like, a legitimate reason as to why she did that or why her parents took her out of school, but um, they didn't really state why. Oh. So Natasha graduated from Odessa Permian High School, and she got an apartment with roommates in College Station and began taking classes at Bullying College. Um, so for those of you guys who don't know, I actually graduated from A&M um, in College Station, so I'm very familiar with the area, and I know Shaylin graduated from um, Prairie View. Prairie View. So, yeah, so she's know. also familiar with the area as well. Um, so when Keisha found out that she was pregnant, she as in Keisha, uh, she said Natasha was very overjoyed and she correctly predicted that it would be a boy and told Keisha that she would help her when the baby came. Mm. That's so nice of her. I know. So I don't know if like Natasha's plan was to stay in College Station and take classes and then when Keisha had her baby, if mm -hmm. she was going to move back and take right. some time off or... I don't know if, um, if she even had time to think about all of that stuff. Right. Probably not. That's... Also suddenly, you know? Right. So one day, Natasha called Keisha's house to tell her that she would be coming back to Livingston to visit and to go to some birthday party. Now, keep in mind, Keisha didn't speak to Natasha directly. She actually spoke to Keisha's grandmother, and she said that she wanted to make sure that Keisha would be there whenever Natasha came to visit. Okay. Um, so she just wanted to, you know, catch up with Keisha, and she just told her grandmother, hey, can you just take down a message and let Keisha know that I'm going to come? Uh, on this specific day and for her to just be available so that we can hang out right okay so the day that natasha arrived to town she went ahead and attended the friend's birthday party in shepherd texas and decided that she would see keisha sometime later so on the evening of saturday may 2nd 1992 natasha was last seen at that party in shepherd that she was attending mm. now around 10 a.m the next day a man and his grandson returned from a fishing trip and came across a smoldering hatchback car on a dirt road in rural San Jacinto County. 
Jesus, we're jumping from town to town to town to town. Right. So, well, this was only about a mile away from the party. So this was okay. still in Shepherd. Got you. So Natasha's remains, which had been burned down to just <gasps> her bones, were inside the trunk of her hatchback. Oh, no. Right. So keep in mind that she went missing the night before, and then she was found the very next day at 10 a.m. So whoever did this, they did it all within one night. One not night. even 24 hours though not even 24 hours just one night not yeah definitely not 24 hours mm -hmm. if anything like 12 hours or less right so retired san jacinto county sheriff's office deputy tom branch who worked on the case for about 12 years told dateline investigators that he believed natasha was killed at or near the site of the party sometime during the night or in the early morning hours then she was driven about a mile away to the dirt road where the car was set on fire so basically, Deputy Branch told Dateline that the scene was so gruesome that Natasha's whole body could fit into a shoebox. Are you serious? Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if it's because Natasha was decapitated beforehand and then the car was set on fire or if her body was set on fire like as a whole in the car and then her body basically burned into, you know, bones only. Um, we're not sure. That's interesting. It could be either or, honestly. Right. Um, honestly, I feel like they possibly decapitated her and then put her in the trunk and set it on fire but it could be either way like i said they could yeah you know. i mean they did say that she was found in the trunk though so yeah. i mean they had they may if they did do that it's probably so that she could fit in the trunk right right um so that makes sense too the only thing that i was thinking was like i feel like and again i'm not i don't have experience with this kind of stuff but i feel like you know to decapitate a person or a human or a dead body it takes a while it does and absolutely. for the fact that you know she was found the very next morning you know, I feel like it, was, it didn't give him enough time. But then again, like I said, people who are experienced in this kind of stuff, like they probably know exactly what they're doing exactly. and, and could do it very quickly. But um, that was just my my theory on, on what could have happened. Yeah. Um, but I do agree. Like I do think that in order to fit her in the trunk, they probably did kind of, you know, do whatever they had to in order to get her in there. Right. Like I said, it could be either or, you know, especially if she was in the trunk that long and, you know, mm -hmm. the fire was going for that long she could have of course very much so her body was you know detaching itself with the fire so exactly wow so natasha's family had reported her missing early that morning when she didn't arrive at her mother's house as expected initially the investigators believed they would solve the case pretty quickly mm -hmm. two people were arrested for aggravated assault after a witness claimed that he saw them beating up natasha according to deputy branch so beating up natasha at the party yeah so there was a witness that stated that two people were basically beating up Natasha. Um, but the case fell apart when the witness recanted his story. I'm about to say, so do we know if those two people were females or males or? Yep, we'll get into that. Mm, they look, <laughs> I'm jumping again. <laughs> so it's just been a really complicated case from the beginning, Branch said. And unfortunately, we missed something along the way. So. Deputy Branch also told Dateline that the number of people at the party, which he described as a party involving alcohol and an array of drugs, mm -hmm. made it difficult to investigate. Which makes sense, right? Like when there's so many people at the party, you know, you don't know. There's so many different versions of what happened right. from different people. So it was hard for them to kind of put together um, a timeline of what could have happened exactly. at the party because of how many witnesses there were. Mm -hmm. and especially with the type of drugs that they may have been on could have caused hallucinations and exactly you know any any type of thing mm -hmm. so i understand where they're coming from with that for sure so investigators served search warrants at houses and conducted several searches of vehicles all over the surrounding areas they questioned potential witnesses from the party but no one was talking 
Of course, they never talk. Right. Even if they think they know something, no one's gonna. Of no course. one's gonna say anything. Snitches get stitches. You know. <laughs> that's basically the rule. That's true. Yeah, that's the rule of everything. Well, so Deputy Branch actually said that he was 100% sure that he spoke to the person responsible for her death during the course of the investigation, but unless that person or witness came forward, they'll never know the truth. So they believe that, you know, they think they know who did it. Mm-hmm. They just don't have anything to prove that that person did it, and they didn't really mention who they think it could be. So how did they come to that conclusion? So you remember that witness that stated that they saw two people beating up Natasha at the party? Yeah. So years later, now the sources didn't explain how many years later, um, but years later they tracked down that same witness in prison. In prison? Yeah, so the witness was currently serving um, a jail sentence of a sexual assault of a child at the time. Girl, no way. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. And the witness's name is Anthony Cornelius. Wow. Yeah, so when Anthony was questioned by the investigators again, he basically stated that he couldn't say for 100% that he did see Natasha get beat up by two people because there was a lot of people around. So what was his point if he was saying that in the first place if he gonna kind of recant and say that he couldn't say for sure if it was her? Right, but that's what he did in the beginning, right? So he told investigators that he saw two people beating her up and then he recanted the confession immediately, or not confession, sorry, the witness statement immediately and that's why they were never able to kind of like pick up any leads on that because he recanted that that witness statement so they couldn't really find who it was because there wasn't anyone who saw that except for anthony and when he recanted that that was it there was no other witness statements that saw anything else that's odd that makes me wonder like are you lying about this or well i'm glad that you say that because on the night of natasha's murder anthony admits that he was on lsd (laughs) i'm sorry but you called it Wow. So now Anthony was saying that he wasn't really at the actual party, but he claims he was driving through the neighborhood because a friend had called saying Natasha and another girl were going to fight. So he wasn't really even there. Exactly. He really just made this whole thing up. Basically. Wow. Now, years later, he says he can't really say for certain who he saw and what he saw. But all he remembers is that he got a call saying that Natasha and some girl were going to fight, so he was driving through the neighborhood to kind of get to the area of where they were said to have, you know, been fighting. But he never actually made it there. Doesn't don't know. S- nope, we don't know. Mm. Yeah, he lying. <laughs> Feel it, it, I mean, that's the, that's the third time that he's changing his story, right? Third so at this time. point, you're like, okay, you're clearly not a reliable source. Not at all. Now, 30 years later, the Texas Rangers oversee this case. Branch, the previous investigator, is still hopeful that someone will come forward till this day. But to me, I'm like, if no one came forward back then... I really doubt that anyone's going to come forward now. Nah, definitely not now. There was literally nobody else that has come forward stating that they saw anything nope. take place at that party in regards to Natasha. Exactly. And it's, it's crazy because it's so many, they're like, you know, there was said to have been so many people there. So how did not, how did no one see anything? And if, exactly. you know, if you did see something, how are you not coming forward? You know, there's so many witnesses, like... So many of you guys should be coming forward with, with the information that you know. because They know what happened. Yeah, definitely. I agree. They know exactly what happened. They just don't want to say anything. It's always that. It's always things like this. You, you, you know, you're at a party. Something happens. Nobody wants to say anything. We see this in cases. So many cases, actually. That yeah. It's, it's terrible, and I really don't like that. And, and I wonder, because she was, like, you know, basically the 
the cool spunky girl that everyone loved, you know, or hated. But you could you could tell that she was popular, you know, in right. some kind of way. Um, and it seems like the people who didn't like her was because they were envy of her popularity. Yeah. And she didn't even go to school there anymore. Like, she was going to school in a whole different city. So she just came back, you know. Right. So I don't understand how she could have, you know, gotten into an argument or gotten into some kind of dispute with anyone when she hadn't even really been in communication with anyone other than Keisha. I mean, but that, that kind of does go back to why she moved in the first place. That's true. We don't know what could have possibly happened for that reason for her to move. move. That is true. That mm-hmm. is true. So Natasha's brother, Chad Woodard, he was only 12 years old when his sister was murdered. Wow. So Chad says that once you've seen your sister's burned remains, it's something that you just stays with you forever. Oh, of course. You're, you'll never get that sight, you know, out of your head. Yeah. Never. I, I don't even know if he saw her or if he just kind of, you know, heard the news. But either way, like, you, that's something that you can never, you know, Not that's all. something you never think of. So the fact that he knew this information, I'm sure he, you know, it probably hit him in a whole different way than Absolutely. Um, anything else that he would have known. At the time, he lived with his mother and younger brother in Livingston. He remembers Natasha as being active and lively, always around friends and cheerleading or playing the piano. Living life full speed ahead is what I think. The only way she knew how to live, Chad said. After her death, family was just devastated, which is obviously, yeah, I mean, course. expected. Absolutely. Chad told Dateline that his mother fought to find out what happened to Natasha for years, but she lost her battle in 2002 when she died of cancer. Dara not knowing what happened to your child. Yep. I mean, I like to think that when people die in these type of circumstances they do actually know what happened because they are able to meet up with them in heaven i agree you know i do think that too and then they're at peace or their soul's at peace knowing what happened exactly. you know it's not even about revenge or seeking justice but it's just the fact of feeling at peace knowing you know yeah. what had happened you know exactly. you want to know what she was going through at the time mm-hmm. what happened you don't really care much for who did it but it was more of you know what she was going through at the time when this was happening you yeah, know absolutely i think losing natasha literally killed our mother chad said it was her dying wish to find out what happened and to find out who did this to natasha that, I, I agree i agree so how how long after did the mom die after tasha so she she uh natasha passed away in 1992 mm-hmm. i believe yeah and then her mother passed away in 2002 So a decade. Yeah, 10 years later. Dr. Alan Ashworth, a former resident of Natasha's hometown of Livingston, Texas, has dedicated many years to sifting through the theories, hoping to uncover the truth, and has written three books about this case. Three books? Three books. Wow, he's really dedicated then. He really is. Um, He believes that we can solve the case. He believes that he actually already have, but it's up to the authorities to solve it. So this all kind of comes down to, you know, there is a known suspect. We just don't know who this known suspect is because a lot of people keep saying that they know who it is. They just don't have evidence for it. And that's odd because I'm like, if you know who it is, you would think that you provide a little bit more detail than what you're doing now. Right. So um, Ashworth said that he can solve the case, but he just can't make the arrest. So that makes me think, like, you know, what he means by that is, like, if it was up to him, he would be able to tell you who did it. Exactly. But because he's not, you know, in the authority or he's not working for the authorities, he can't make an arrest. But it sounds like he knows some information behind the scenes, maybe some information that the police may have 
to put two and two together and to come to that conclusion because I don't just see anybody like him just saying, oh, I know who did it without having the resources and also the information behind it to, like, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he has all the information um, that kind of leads him to believe he thinks he knows who did it. Right. And, again, the authorities probably do, too. But the thing with that I've, like, noticed just from seeing tons of episodes of Forensic Files Mm -hmm. is that... You know, when when authorities make an arrest, they want to make sure that they have all the evidence lined up. They they basically want to have their ducks in a row. Exactly. Um, Because when they get convicted and they go to trial, they don't want any hiccups to come in where this killer could possibly go free because of the lack of evidence. Mm -hmm. So it could be that they don't have enough evidence and they're probably gathering all this evidence that they think that they, or not that they think, but they think they know who it is and they're gathering evidence against this person so that when they prosecute them or him, they have enough evidence to actually convict him rather than him being set free. Right. Um, because, you know, I don't know if anyone knows this, but in America or in the U.S., you only get two trials. Yeah. So you can reappeal your first trial, but after that second trial, you're set free. You can never get a trial again. Like you're Double if, jeopardy. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, they probably want to stay away from that, right? They don't want to, yeah. like, double try him at all. Um in order to get like two, you know, not guilty verdicts. Exactly. So that's the only thing I can think of that they probably know who it is, but they don't have enough evidence, and so they're not really like releasing any information to the, the public because they don't want anything to be kind of misconstrued and yeah. and tampered with as no, far as evidence. You're absolutely right, but I'm like, at what point are you gonna kind of give out more information so we can put this killer or killers in jail? Yeah. Because it seems like the more we keep holding on to this information the longer the case is going to remain unsolved. Yeah, especially because it's been so many years, right? right. Like, I definitely agree. Um, so Keisha Myers told Dateline that she would just like answers about what happened to her wild and spunky friend, that it may not happen in my lifetime, but it was her mother's dying wish to know, and that never actually happened. So, you know, she passed away without knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, Keisha was with her with Natasha's mother when she died from cancer. She said she treated me like her daughter and my boys like her grandchildren. Aww, that's so sweet. So she basically took the role of her daughter. She did. So, Shaylin, I actually came across a news article from the Polk County Enterprise. Um, It was a news article that was published on uh, May 6th of 2012, Mm -hmm. and it had a lot of facts regarding the investigation by the new investigator or the new uh, chief deputy, Lacey Rogers. Okay. So on the night of May 2nd, Natasha attended a pair of parties with some friends. So not one, but two. So it was not originally one. Now it's two parties. Two parties, right. Oh, okay. So the first party was at a Polk County residence, and another birthday party was at a home in Five Acres and Independence Subdivision. Okay. Now, she was last seen leaving the residence at about 3 a.m. on May 3rd in her 1989 Chevrolet Camaro, and she was seen leaving the Five Acres and Independence Subdivision. So... I, I don't think the first party really mattered. I think she had attended, left, and then everything that went down went down at the second party. Had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So investigator statements at the time showed Ashley and many of the party goers that had drank large amounts of alcohol, smoked marijuana, and inhaled butane and um, used LSD and other narcotics. So like I was stating earlier, there definitely was hardcore drugs involved. So in this article, it states that family members reported Natasha missing but in Polk County, we're actually investigating, but San Jacinto County officials found a smoldering vehicle 
on a dirt trail and five acres in independence so when they reported her missing that was a different county so it was that mm. county's police department that was looking for her but here in a separate county where that second party was that's who found well it was the two you know people that i said found the right. uh, vehicle then they called the police and then the police came down and saw the burning vehicle and they basically towed it to like a tow yard okay. and they probably ran the plates figured out who the owner was which was natasha's mother and then natasha's mother went to the tow yard to kind of you know they, they she already knew her daughter was missing so for her it's like oh the vehicle is found let me see what's going on with it right so she goes to the tow yard and she kind of looks to the vehicle opens the trunk and that's where she uh, finds natasha's body oh my god so she found her daughter's body yes Oh my God! It's according worse. to this, according to this article, but yes. So the investigators at the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office confirmed that the remains were those of Natasha on May twelfth. So on May third is when she was basically found. Mm-hmm. Uh, May second is when she went missing late that night, early, you know, May third morning, mm-hmm. and then May twelfth is when she was confirmed or that the body was confirmed to be hers. So yeah, it took a couple of days, especially since her body was burned beyond right. recognition. Yeah, it definitely does take. Actually, in those times, I'm actually surprised that it took that short of a time. Yeah, it usually takes a good it. while. Yeah. yeah, you're you're right. Uh, maybe it was just because of how badly her body was, you know, mm-hmm. burnt and the fact that, it, you know, it probably cases like this or, you know, right. crimes like this doesn't really happen here. So for yeah. them, it was like, oh, we have to get a lead on this, like, Absolutely. quick. So keep in mind that everyone that attended the party was basically, you know, on drugs mm-hmm. or they were very drunk. Yeah. So some of the party goers who were last um, seen with Natasha alive were reluctant to talk um, but their memories weren't very clear. So, of course, you know, with their memories being very fuzzy, they're not really reliable statements. Right. So, same thing we said earlier about, of course, they probably don't remember because they was on these drugs hallucinating and right. stuff like that. So, yeah, that's not out of the ordinary there. So, Roger stated that the only people who knew what happened are the people, or are the person, rather, that killed her and the person who did away with her body. Now, whether that's two separate people mm-hmm. or whether that's the same person, but that's the only person or people who knows what happens to her or happened to her okay now rogers has a pretty strong theory about who started the intense fire on that deserted trail i've always thought it was the father of the girl who had the party in five acres in independence rogers said he was the only one who hadn't been drinking heavily and using drugs that night Mm. which is so odd to me like your daughter's having a party i mean i know that she was 18 Mm -hmm. so her his daughter was 18 the one who held the party right um so it's just weird to me that, you know, his daughter was having a party and, you know, they're all using drugs and drinking and all that stuff. And the, the father's attending the party as right. a guest and he's completely okay with all of this that's going on. It's just weird. Mm-mm. He's not a good parent. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not at all. I agree. So the party was hosted by, again, like I said, 18-year-old Cindy Hennings at the time. And Rogers believed that her father, who is now deceased, is the person or the suspect of, you know, who could have done this to Natasha. I wonder why, though. Well, I'll get into that. Mm, Okay. (laughs) So Henning's father knew the location of a nearby oil well that obtained accelerant from the well prior to the murder. He has used the accelerant gas to burn brush on his property in the subdivision. Fire investigation specialists identified the fuel used to burn Natasha's car as the same accelerant used um, when he was burning that brush. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Wow. What was okay? So say let's say that he did kill Natasha. What was the motive behind it? Why? 
I mean, I kind of do get into that a little bit later um, during or in this article, but I'm with you. I'm not sure if there was ever like a legitimate reason why. Okay, I'm gonna let you tell it so we can figure it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the funeral director who performed cremations in that area told um, investigators that it takes a fire burning at 1500 degrees for several hours to consume human remains to the degree found of Natasha's body in her car. So basically she was burnt that badly to where a, bo- a normal body that you would cremate, mm-hmm. that, that's how badly her body was. It oh looked like a cremated God. body. Jesus Christ. So on January 14th of 1993, so about a year later, mm-hmm. or actually not even a year, it's about six to seven months later, mm-hmm. um, Cindy Hennings was arrested for aggravated assault after witnesses said she and Natasha had been fighting at the party. So remember when Anthony, who was one of the witnesses, claimed that he you know, heard or saw two people beating Natasha up? Right. Well, one of those people was Cindy Hennings. Okay, so he kind of wasn't lying about that. Well, so he made that witness statement to the investigators, and based off that witness statement is whenever they arrested Cindy because of that oh, witness statement. Oh, got you. Mm-hmm. And then along with Cindy, they also arrested 20-year-old, I think his name is James Melvin Morton, and he was 20 at the time. So he was the second person that was said to have been seen or heard um, that was beating up Natasha. So they were corresponds with the two people that... Yes, that yeah. Anthony stated. So because of Anthony's uh, witness statement, the two of them were arrested based off of his witness statement. So Rogers said that the male witness, who we now know as Anthony, um, took a polygraph test and passed it. But, okay. yeah, he passed the polygraph test with that witness statement. But then later he recanted under duress after Morton and Hennings were arrested. So keep in mind, Anthony went ahead and made that witness statement. Due to that witness statement, both Cindy Hennings and Morton were arrested. And then once they were arrested, they did a polygraph test where the witness statement or witness, which is Anthony, passed it. But right after he passed the polygraph, he went ahead and recanted his witness statement. So then at that point, they had to let Cindy and Morton go. I wonder How- if they try to you know, I guess threaten him, which is why he recanted. Or like their family members, right? Like their family yeah. members could have done it. Which, what, what's weird to me is, I mean, you know, they had these circumstantial evidence against Cindy's father mm-hmm. with the whole accelerant and stuff. But of course that wasn't hard, you know, core proof evidence to arrest him. Right. But then they had this witness statement with Cindy and so they, they t- ran with that and did arrest her for that. So even though they didn't have like actual proof they only went off of you know a witness statement and arrested them but then after they recanted it they really had nothing to hold her and morton too so then they went ahead and let her go but a female inmate who shared a cell with cindy hennings told rogers that hennings admitted to the killing but investigators could not perform a polygraph test on hennings because she was pregnant at the time but she's not pregnant now, so... <laughs> no, I agree with you. She's, I mean, she was only pregnant for nine months, right? So I don't know why they couldn't have done one afterwards. Right, so that's my point. Why not afterwards? Okay, I get that she was pregnant. You really can't do that. But what was y'all game plan after she gave birth? So y'all just let it go? Basically. There, no, that was no. the end of that um, no. article. So no. doesn't say, like, you know, what they did afterwards or why they didn't really, you know... They dropped the ball with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Especially if her dad was deceased. I don't know if he was deceased, you know, at the time. He, you know, passed away at the time she was pregnant in jail. Mm-hmm. But still. 
Well, so he was deceased in 2012. I don't think he was deceased, like, okay. that couple months after when all this was going on after the murder. Yeah, I, which I figure, but still, right. you know, you still could, you know, perform a polygraph test on her. I agree. After like they, she they gave should, birth. They, I think they just let it go too easily. I'm not sure why they didn't kind of go back and do the polygraph. But another thing about polygraphs is it's not the best method of proof to take to court. You know, yeah. it's not it's kind of also considered a type of circumstantial evidence true um it's not like you know hardcore evidence like forensics or anything mm-hmm. like that which in this case there's none of that there's no hardcore forensic evidence on anything for them yeah. to like convict anyone yeah, everything at all right everything is all he said she said kind of you know basically it's a he said she said kind of case yeah i agree with this article i think that the main uh perpetrator or suspect is cindy's father but, but you know just by the fact that he is familiar with that accelerant I think that he definitely had something to do with it. He was a major part of it. I agree. I think he was the one who, if anything, I don't know if he necessarily killed Natasha, but he definitely helped the person who killed her by covering it up. So he's definitely, you know, I do agree. He, He definitely has something to do with the case. And like we were, like, you know, like I was stating earlier in this episode that investigators do know or think that they know who it is but they don't give much information right so this is literally the only article that i found and i had to dig deep <laughs> to find this article but this is literally the only article i where that i found where investigators mentioned any suspects at all because they really just didn't want to kind of talk about that at all they didn't want to destroy any you know evidence or anything mm-hmm. like that i'm assuming years later in 2012 Rogers wanted to come out, you know, and kind of give a little bit more information on who they think the suspect was. Mm-hmm. I guess just to see if, you know, other witnesses will come forward to support that right. that um, finding. So, yeah, that's the story of Natasha Ashley. That is a crazy story, and I've never heard of this story, so I'm really, really glad that you told this. I'm yeah, really it's definitely a very cold case that, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like the answers are, like, right in front of you. Absolutely. But, you know, due to circumstances, it's not solved. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not even though that we believe that Cindy and her father and possibly the Melvin guy, mm-hmm. they definitely have something to do with it. I strongly think that they had something to do with it. I really think that they need to go back to the drawing board because they definitely dropped the ball. And when I mean they, I mean investigators because you still should have polygraphed Cindy after she had birth. You kind of just like, okay, she had birth and you just kind of left it alone. And that's where you, that's where you went wrong. Right. That's where you definitely went wrong. I don't know why they did that. I don't know if they would, you know, have any resources or sources out there that stated why they did not go back and look at her or, you know, interview her again. I'm sure they had a reason, but I don't feel like there is no reason. Yeah. I mean, even if it's something that they couldn't build a case on, they should have still just, you know, did the polygraph and kept it, you know, right. just for their records. And I mean, I know if, if Cindy's father, which I know you and I believe very strongly that Cindy's father definitely played a you know a played a part in in getting rid of the body and mm-hmm. burning her and all of that and it seems like he knew what he was doing yeah absolutely <laughs> but to me I'm like I wonder if there was any like I know the car was burnt her body was burnt but I wonder if there was any DNA or prints or anything found you know on the car right. the parts of her car that weren't burnt but I, I mean I doubt it because I'm, sure yeah. I'm sure they would I'm sure they would have got it but that's the crazy part there's no DNA there's nothing like concrete to convict anybody on this case and that's the hard part for sure well there you have it another cold case unsolved murder with what i feel like is evidence is right there 
Yeah. You know, but hey, we're not investigators, Shivani. <laughs> we just tell the story. We just tell the story. You're right. Shaylin, I feel like you and I need a day where we just go and treat ourselves. I agree. So what do you have in mind, though? I was thinking that we can go get our makeup done. Okay. And I also really badly need to do my eyebrows. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking we can do that. But I also want to take a road trip somewhere. So maybe we can take a road trip somewhere and then get our eyebrows and makeup done. I'm glad you said that because I really, truly want to go to Houston to visit Tia. <gasps> Tia Edwards? Yes, ma'am. So I think we should go ahead and just take that trip to Houston. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what service you want done? I actually want to book her date night glam. Really? Yes, I, I was, love bits. I was actually looking into that. I think we should do the same thing. So let's go ahead and get her booked. Let's book it, girl. If you guys want to know a little bit more about her services, you guys can find her on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is... Everything Browse underscore beauty. So go ahead and go visit her and check out her page and see what she has to offer. Go do it. All right, guys, there you have it. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you. Goodbye. Bye.